As you all know, sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. Our Super Bowl package is now available. Visit sharpfootballanalysis.com to take advantage of Warren's lifetime Super Bowl record, which hits at a 68% clip all time, as well as $25 off with the coupon code SBLV. That's SBLV for $25 off. Get it now at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I'm Dan Pazuda, joined here, Rich Rebar, TA, team over here at Sharp Football Analysis. Guys, here we go. We did it. Super Bowl week. How are we feeling? This is the uh, official finish line. We're, we're, we're closing this season that we did not know at one point would happen, uh, but they've got through everything on schedule. And I don't think it could have worked out really much better for the NFL in terms of what we have left standing, at least from a, you know, a narrative stance and selling stance. I mean, you know, between Tom Brady and his 10th Super Bowl, you know, changing teams. We've got the first home team playing in the Super Bowl. Is he passing the torch to potentially the next dynasty uh, in Patrick Mahomes? Uh, I just don't think there could have been a possible, you know, better narrative matchup at the end of the line based on what the season outcome was than what we have, you know, coming forward on Sunday. Yeah, and it, we almost had a barber completely uh, decimate the Super Bowl, <laughs> which uh, would have been something else, in, uh, you know, in this type of season. But yeah, it's uh, I'm looking forward to this game. I mean, I think the two week break is a lot. <laughs> it just it just there's so many story line, you know, stories, and it's kind of the same narratives over and over. It's like, all right, let's get let's get on with the game already. But uh, yeah, the, the season's about to end, and you know, we're already seeing some off season moves uh, being made with the Stafford trade. So kind of the NFL never ends, but. I'm looking forward to breaking down this game. There's a ton of prop activity out there. And um, I mean, I think there's some value, so it's going to be fun. I know there's probably not going to be a lot of Super Bowl parties, but you know, I know for me, I'm going to have my wife here who hates football and hates all sports. So I'm going to have to, I got her into her work square board. So she's good. She's got, she bought a couple squares to be involved and uh, I'll have a bunch of props going and, you know, I got, I got a total that I like here that we could talk about, but um, yeah. Does she do, does she do commercials, anything? Does she get any part of the, the halftime show? Any, any enjoyment? Yeah. 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 Halftime <laughs> show. She'll, she likes that stuff and, and the uh, commercials, but in general, I, like it, if anyone knows who knows me knows, you know, I'm obviously a football fanatic and she's like the complete polar opposite of that and just can't wait till football season to end. So um, it'll be fun to, to watch the game with her and uh, see if she's, she's going to be tied into the squares at least. So she's well, my wife is, is uh super on tilt so my wife is a is a huge Colts fan and her favorite player of all time is Peyton Manning who was all the rival of Tom Brady and I've been giving her grief because I said look at Peyton's already at his five years in he might be going to the Hall of Fame and Brady's out here still going to Super Bowls you have to watch uh so she's she's not a huge fan of uh you know Tom Brady still you know pulling his goatness on everybody it's pretty incredible he Brady went from like or at least for me you know, couldn't stand him just because New England won every year. And it's just kind of like, all right, again, now this year I, I embraced him. I was all in on Tampa preseason. I was all in Tampa during the season. Obviously we had that draft. I think I picked them third. Uh, you know, I, I bet them in uh, the last two rounds against Green Bay and New Orleans. And so like, I, I just turned it until now it's like a feel good story somehow. And like, I'm excited for it. Like I can't, I want him to win. So um, it's crazy how he, his kind of narrative turned, turned around, at least for me personally, like I'm excited to see him in the Super Bowl again with a new team. And it'll be pretty impressive. I mean, the fact that he's, well, he's, this is 10th Super Bowl, Like, it's just crazy. 
Great Twitter account too. Uh, the Tom Brady's Twitter account being amazing is is one of the most tilting things I think of, of being on Twitter. <laughs> it is pretty incredible. Once you get out of the Bill Belichick shadow, it's like then it's all let loose. I knew it's, things were different when he when he uh, did an interview with Howard Stern, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, right after he signed with Tampa, it was, oh yeah, you know, it's like that never would have happened when he was with New England. So you know, kind of let loose a little bit, um, and you know, I I, I can't wait for. Uh, can't wait to see uh, if he can raise that trophy again. It'll be fun. Yeah, so here we go. Like you said, the the two weeks between uh, the conference championship games and the Super Bowl is a very long one. So we have you know, hit all the stories. We have seen almost every angle. So we're going to you know try to bring something uh, new to this. And I'm sure you guys have all listened to 90 podcasts at this point. So uh, we're going to uh, try to do what we can to preview this game. So let's just dive into it. Do we just want to start with the game in general? Right now, Kansas City, minus three. Um, the over, as I'm looking at it at uh, Jack King's sportsbook, is 56. Uh, so just uh, general thoughts, how are we feeling about this game? Just TA in general, did you expect any movement when it dropped? I mean, nothing like nothing has changed since, since this thing opened. In terms of the, the line movement? Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I mean, look, the first matchup was three and, mm-hmm. um, or was it three or three and a half? I think it was three and a half and fifty. Three and a half and 56 yeah. was what it was. It closed. Yeah. I actually bet Tampa that game and they, you know, essentially backdoor covered, right? Because they, they needed that big fourth quarter. But yeah, so it's, it doesn't surprise me. Like it's the same that you saw in the regular season. It's the same location. Um, both teams have essentially, you know, played. I think Tampa's probably played a little bit better, I guess, overall, but Kansas City's kind of turned it on in the playoffs. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Like, it shouldn't really uh, move too much. And I don't think the Super Bowl really moves a ton just because it went maybe after the initial release, you might get a few hours of movement, but but there's really not much that's going to – there's so much money here um, invested in these in both these sides and the total that nothing's really going to move it too much um at this point so i I think this is kind of where unless you see some sort of weather issue which i you know i tweeted this morning i think the weather has been you know Rappaport came on yesterday and twitter saying it's going to be thunderstorms and that's i don't know what app he's using but if you look at kind of the the apps that you um, trust it looks like it's going to be light rain at kickoff and then it's going to be clear there's no real wind issue so i don't think that should touch the total at all um and i don't think it affects either side so Outside of anything, you know, with COVID related, um, I, I don't think that the line or the, the total will really move here much at all. I mean, the, the difference is the three and a half, you can find three and a half at some sports books that are at like minus 120, maybe 125. Um, that's probably the only thing that might change is the juice, depending on what sports book that you go to. Um, if you're looking at the Tampa side at three and a half. Um, but others, otherwise, I don't think the actual line itself will be uh, moving too much. Right. So with the, the line, can it stay in what it is? So we can, I think, talk about that. Uh, how are we you know, feeling uh, for this game? Like you said, last time these two teams played, and that's what we'll talk about a lot because we do have you know, a Super Bowl rematch. We have a, it was a very exciting game for you know, multiple reasons in that Week 12 matchup. The you know, 200 plus yards from Tyreek Hill just in the first quarter alone. Um, and um, sure we are not going to see something like that uh, again but then like you said Tampa kind of shifted what they did defensively came back uh, in that fourth quarter ended up just being a you know a three-point game so as we look into the Super Bowl uh, how are we feeling about uh, what this what this line uh, might be and what it says about the game 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I, I didn't bet the side, and I'm not sure I will, just between <laughs> betting all the props and, um, you know, I'll discuss, you know, I do like the over here. Uh, I got it at 56. Um, not sure uh, if I definitely like a side here or not. I would lean Tampa three and a half, even with a little bit of juice, but I, I, haven't, I haven't bet it. But I do like the over. And, you know, talked about it, um, you know, have an article out. And, you know, normally you, you, you hear about, oh, the first matchup doesn't matter here. I, I disagree. Like, I think it does. I think mainly because the, the final score when it comes to the total was totally not indicative of what actually happened in the game. Um, you look, it was a complete outlier in terms of the fact that um, it ended at 27-24. It was 51 points. It went under the total of 56. Um, I mean, you look at some of the numbers, and it, it was crazy. I mean, both offenses – were really explosive. We had 12 explosive pass plays on 94 combined attempts, a rate of almost 13%, which is pretty high. I mean, the at league average for a season is 8%. Um, and you talked about Tyreek Hill had a monster first quarter. He was part, he was a big part of that, but you know, Tampa threw the ball downfield as well. I mean, in general, both teams put up 7.6, 7.5 yards per play, which is, I mean, it's pretty rare to put up those t- types of numbers um, combined. Uh, in the same game. In fact, there was only one other game this entire season. It was Houston Cincinnati towards the end of the year that where both teams had uh, at least seven and a half yards per play. And it's only happened 18 times uh, in total since 2000. And if you look at, if you exclude the the first matchup here, the other 17 games um, produce an average of almost 74 points. There's only one game outside of uh, this first matchup that produced a total of less than 61 points. Uh, And every game was in the fifties. So like they really should have put up a ton more points here. And if you look at what, you know, let's dissect it. What happened in that game? Well, the chiefs, they, they fumbled on a first and goal, which they never do literally like the only fumble they've ever had or not ever, but this season um, uh, inside the 20, that, that was the only fumble all season. Uh, They kicked the field goal on fourth and one uh, at the goal line, like, which they shouldn't do. And they never do. Um, And in general, they scored six points, on three trips inside the Tampa 20. You just don't expect that from a Chiefs, Chiefs team in general. Um, and so you look at, you know, the Chiefs outside of that game, they've averaged 5.6 points per drive and scored a touchdown in 70% of drives when they reach inside of an opponent's 20-yard line. So anomaly there from, from the Kansas City perspective, definitely should have put up more points. Um, and you look at, you know, Tampa, Tampa um, got to the, the Kansas City five-yard line on a first and goal. And they kicked the field goal. Um, and Kansas City is by far, like not even close, the worst DVOA red zone defense in the NFL. Um, they're two times worse than the 31st ranked team. Like they're just awful. So uh, for them not to score a touchdown and first a goal from the five is, is kind of a rarity. And then we had Tom Brady throw two interceptions once they got inside the uh, KC 35 yard line. Um, One off a helmet. <laughs> yeah. And outside of that, that game, so he threw two inside the 35-yard line. Outside of that game, he's thrown a combined three interceptions inside an opponent's 35-yard line um, during the regular season. So, um, you know, not scoring a touchdown inside the five, um, you know, throwing two picks once he, you know, reached uh, the opponent's 35, pretty rare things. Um, I mean, Tampa's put up seven and a half yards per play two other times this year, and they scored 44 and 47 in those games. Like, this game really should have been in the mid-60s. And so if that would have happened, like, let's say this game – played out like it should have, like a normal game at this rate. Um, you know, they probably would have scored, you know, mid-60s to 70. Is this total only 56? I, I don't think so. I think this would be like a 58 um, just because of what happened in that first game. And look, this isn't one of those situations where, oh, boy, it was, it was pretty divergent from, from 
you know, um, what these teams normally do. Like these are two high powered offenses, two great quarterbacks, tons of weapons all over the field, tons of big plays. Like that wasn't, that wasn't something that can't repeat itself. So, you know, not do I expect seven and a half yards per play each? Probably not, but I think that we're going to see a lot of offense here. So um, I think there's value there. And just the way that this game, the game should flow. There's no reason why Kansas city is going to ever run the ball. Like there's just not. Um, Tampa's number one in DVOA run defense. They, they have Vita Vea in there. Like Kansas City's not going to even try to run the ball. And they did it in the first game. I mean, they threw the ball 50 times uh, on 70 offensive plays, almost 72%, um, which is pretty dramatic when, considering the fact that Kansas City led by double digits essentially from the first quarter all the way um, till six minutes left in the game. I mean, so, and if you look at the first three quarters, they threw the ball 78% of the time which is just crazy. And I don't think that's going to change. Like there's just no scenario where even if Tampa never blitzes and they just lay everybody back, like why would Kansas city ever try to run the ball? So I think they're going to throw a ton here. Um, Kansas city is six in the NFL in pass frequency at 62% um, in one score situations this year. Uh, Tampa has allowed the highest pass rate in that same situation this year on defense at 63%. So, and whenever they've played any team that, you know, likes to throw the ball like Kansas City does, those teams have thrown the ball at, at significantly higher rates than they have all season. And the same is opposite is true with Kansas City. When they face defenses that um, allow you to throw the ball, that's Tampa, that's the Jets, that's Atlanta, that's Denver twice. I mean, they've thrown the ball almost 70% of the times in each of those games. Um, throw the ball 73% in aggregate in the first three quarters of those games. So, to go along with the over, I do like the Mahomes um, 40 and a half attempts prop. I think he had 49 that first game, most in the uh, all season, not a surprise. I think he's, you know, easy, clearly going to get over 40 and a half unless there's something crazy that happens in this game. And I think he's, he's more in line for 44, 45 attempts, um, you know, in general. So, uh, and then you add in the fact that people will say, Oh, okay. It's a second matchup. These teams are familiar with each other. They're going to adjust. Well, if you look back since 2015, okay, so not going back too far, but we do have a sample size of 24 games. Um, Overs have gone, uh, games have gone over 16 out of 24 times in the second rematch uh, in the playoffs and Super Bowl. So we're not talking like in division third, you know, third, third game uh, rematches. We're talking about second, second game rematches. Um, So these are non-division games. Um, the over has hit 16 of 24 times. So I don't think that, you know, the fact that you're familiar with each other on defense is really going to matter here. So kind of all that being said, um, haven't touched the side. If if you have gone to my head, I would take the Tampa here at three and a half and lay the juice. But in general, I just think this is a high scoring game kind of in the 37, 34 range for, for Kansas city, um, probably wins, but, um, I think it's close and I think it's, it's just a big number here. So, uh, I, I like the Tampa over Tampa KC over. Well, I think we're done here after that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we hit everything. Yeah, I need a contrarian take on why that's wrong. Because the over <laughs> is such a square play in general. And the Super Bowls don't go over a lot, at least lately, when your total's at high. So I need to know, like, what am I missing? Like, why is it? Why? Because <laughs> why? I've heard some sharp, sharp sides on the, the under. And I think from what I've, I've talked to some people who say, look, that's just kind of the old school sharps that anything in the fifties, this entire season, these guys have been hitting the under and been losing because just, it's hard to adjust to the new NFL. And so it, this is no different. So there's plenty of smart guys also on the over. So that made me feel a little bit better. Cause I, I knew I was on the wrong side of the, the so-called sharp side. So 
Um, <laughs> and so I was like, what am I missing here? Like, wh- what is what is going to happen in this game that's different than what these teams have done all year and what the, what happened in the first game? Well, the, the first game also had 18 penalties. I doubt we're going to see that uh, happen again as well. The Chiefs have their second most penalties in a game this season. I, I really doubt that they're going to have the Super Bowl be flooded with flags uh, again as well. That game, that, so that game had 18 penalties. And then also you just talk about the Mahomes angle. I mean, we've talked about it, you know, ad nauseum, like how do you approach, you know, the Chiefs? I mean, it, Patrick Mahomes has lost, and the, his team has lost nine games with him under center. I want to say he has lost nine games. And the opponents have averaged 36.2 points per game in those games. Uh, and the opposing team has needed 29 or more points scored in six of those games. Uh, Kansas City has scored fewer than 24 points in just one of those nine games, and that was that that Colts one that sticks out in everyone's mind uh, when Mahomes had the bad ankle. Tyreek Hill didn't even play in that game. Uh, I just think it's interesting, you know, you know, Dan has talked about, we've talked about a lot in this show, just about how teams have approached playing the Chiefs all season. We talked about it all the way back in week one. And the Chiefs, you know, kind of manifested and adjusted to how teams played them throughout the course of the season. Like the first quarter of the season, the Chiefs acquiesced and said, if you want us to run, we'll run. And then they figured out how to just play Chiefs football still and be aggressive uh, with teams playing more too high and, and playing more shell coverage. And the Bucks really went out of their way. I think a lot of people think that they did blitz a lot in that first game and played a lot of man coverage, and that just wasn't the case. And Dan did a good job of breaking that down. I mean, they only blitzed 17% of the time on nine snaps uh they played two high safety 23 percent more times than they did against anyone else in the league uh and the chiefs just still you know they threw the ball 49 times and mahomes was excellent when not pressured he had an 89 percent completion rate when not pressured in that game now we can that's one thing we can get in the weeds on if we think that there's like maybe some you know that's the one out for the bucks to slowing them down is this offensive line movement the chiefs are going to have to have because he still was not good under pressure in that game but the Chiefs have just altered their approach of saying we can still play our brand of football with you playing that over-the-top coverage and we can drop back and still throw it 40 times per game the back half of the year that's what they did Um, and no one had an answer for Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey the interesting thing about Tyree Kill is teams focused on taking away Tyree Kill over the top but people forgot the kind of player he was with the ball in his hands early in his career and the Chiefs have kind of tapped back into that uh, over the back half of the season. We really saw it against Buffalo, obviously, when you have that long, you know, uh, run, you, a 70-yard catch. He had another ball where he caught, like, an out uh, against Buffalo, and he juked himself out of bounds and was, like, mad about it because he think he realized he could have even done more with it. That was, like, uh, a bad game where you, like, <laughs> want to juke so much, you just, like, slip and, and you just juke yourself, like, into the t- another tackle or out of bounds. Yeah. But if you look at so the, the so through eight games, Tyree Kill averaged uh, fourteen point six average depth of target, and he was only seeing six point eight targets per game uh, over that span. From week nine on, from that point on, his depth of target dropped three full yards, and he's gone to eleven point three targets per game. He's played a ton in the slot this year. He played a lot in the slot the first time these teams played. Uh, granted, the Bucks have a defensive shakeup; they will have Jamel Dean available for this game, where Ross Cockrell played in the slot. Uh, but, you know, when you're playing a slot, it's not you're playing one-on-one versus a slot cornerback. A lot of people think that there's overlap there. It's not how it wor- that's not how slot coverage works. That's how slot routes work. Uh, the Chiefs run that 
three by one ISO with Kelsey so much. And when Tyree kills on the inside of that ISO in the slot, I mean, how do you defend that? And he, you know, Dan showed one of the touchdowns where they tried to roll uh, back a too high safety and they didn't get there in time. And, and Tyree c- cooks the coverage, uh, you know, on basically, you know, a crossing route. Um, but the chiefs have really adapted to how teams have wanted to take away them throwing the football aggressively the back half of the season and have swerved into uh, their game plan, you know, really involving Tyree Kill in a unique manner and really highlighting Tyree Kill. Uh, And then when you try to take that away, I mean, Kelsey, we've talked about it ad nauseum, just how much he's murdered zone coverage the entire season. But uh, yeah, the the, the way the Chiefs have adapted this throughout the course of the season, I think is they don't get enough credit, you know, uh, because they are just a hallmark offense in the NFL. But uh, how they've been able to use Tyree Kill the second half of the season has really shown the the strength of Eric Biennemi and Andy Reid. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, like you said, we've talked about it all the time when you play it's single high that Tyree kills going to kill you. If you play too high, Travis Kelsey's going to kill you, but also, you know, they have been getting Tyree kill on those intermediate routes. And every time I, I look up, you know, where Travis Kelsey was uh, in those type of routes, like Tyree kill was just below them and, and slot coverage too. I, I wrote um, you know, earlier this week about how Travis Kelsey is just basically, you know, not only is he the best like receiving tight end in the league right now, he's one of the league's best just slot receivers in general, whether it's, you know, you know, top three or top five, I'd probably, you know, put him up in there. Really the only player who was like consistently better than him in the slot this year was Cole Beasley. Um, And like, that's what Cole Beasley does. But Travis Kelsey is like two Cole Beasleys. Um, So when you have that type of slot performance um, and you were putting someone at that size, like it's just, it's insane and like uncoverable, but uh, Tyree Kill was also like one of the league's best slot receivers uh, this year too. He was up there in targets and receptions and yards and EPA. It's just, there's so many ways the Chiefs can just structure their offense to beat an opposing defense. And that's why I think it's so hard. And we kind of looked around like so often, like I, I remember like I was one of the people saying, I, I don't think the Chiefs are necessarily inevitable because of all these close games they played, but it kind of, we see that they've, you know, they slow played the regular season a little bit. I think we can say that now, right? Like they weren't trying as hard as they needed to. They were taking what was there, but in the playoff games, they've, you know, mixed that in with taking those shots, you know, earlier in the game when they've needed to. And they've scored on uh, 11 of 14 drives that weren't, you know, the end of the half or the end of the game. They've only punted once uh, in the playoffs so far. Uh, They have, you know, one interception, but you know, they, they're scoring uh, all the time. It doesn't really matter. You know, you had the Cleveland defense, which just isn't that great, but you had the bills defense that is good. That was trying to figure out how to limit some of those, you know, big plays. Um, you know, they're probably on par with, you know, uh, with Tampa Bay's defense. And, and it's not like the bills weren't able to create pressure. They were able to get some pressure, but just Patrick Mahomes, like he is, Patrick Mahomes, I wrote about this too. Uh, I think well, last week, I don't know, all of my Super Bowl articles are, are blending together uh, with the amount uh, that we have written at Sharp Football Analysis, which you should uh, go read every single piece. Uh, we have a, a, a content hub that has all of the pieces we've written for the Super Bowl so far. But when you just look at what Mahomes can do like out, when he's outside of the pocket, when he's pressured outside of the pocket, it's just, it's, it's superhuman. Uh, there were... Um, 
there were like 10 quarterbacks who were you know, pressured at least 50 times when they were outside the pocket. And that doesn't necessarily mean they were pressured from the pocket and pushed outside just means they were outside the pocket when pressured. Um, and Patrick Mahomes was the only one with positive uh, EPA. And that's just like, that's just insane. And uh, in this article, I just had some screenshots of like some of the platforms Patrick Mahomes throws from, and they're just, they're not real. Like they're just, uh, platforms that other quarterbacks just aren't able to get accurate passes from. And, and that's what the chiefs can do, which uh, I know the, the two tackles being out for um, Kansas city is going to be a big deal, but you know, it's really only one tackle when you think about it, because Mitchell sports hasn't really been in there all year. Right. So they've been working with a backup tackle pretty much all year. It's the Eric Fisher is going to be a bigger deal because he's improved, um, you know, throughout the past couple of years. But and going against that Tampa Bay defensive line. And if you're looking for a reason for the under, maybe that's it. There's going to be that pressure. But Patrick Mahomes is just so good under pressure. Kansas City has just so many answers you know it's not like they're going to pressure Mahomes uh, up the edge and off the edge and you know the Chiefs just have no idea what to do with it they they know where to go with the hot routes they're going to have a lot of RPOs there were you know only you think the Packers ran more RPOs than um uh than the Chiefs uh, did this the past season um you know they're going to have some of these jet sweeps with Nicole Hardman uh they're going to have ways to slow down that pass rush uh, outside of just you know dropping Mahomes back and it's not like he can't move this isn't Tom Brady uh, against uh, a great front four with with backup tackles um you know Patrick Mahomes just you know, moves around so I, I think you know just this uh, long way to say yes there are going to be a lot of points I see the Chiefs scoring a lot of points and I think how you know whether Tampa can uh, be able to match that is how close this game is going to be because I really don't see how the Chiefs don't have a problem scoring yeah and I think uh, you know with the tackle situation you're right I mean Mike Rammer has actually played a you know he's played a ton this year and he's actually been pretty decent like he's just not he's not a turnstile uh, like he was in the Super Bowl a few years ago but he's, he's got experience there. So I don't think that's a huge issue. I mean, Wiley maybe um, could be an issue. But like I said, he, Mahomes can move. Uh, I think he's going to get two weeks um, to heal that, that toe. So he should be fine. You know, maybe, you know, take a look at that uh, rushing prop. I think he's going to be, you know, if he does get some pressure, he's going to be able to, to move out of the pocket. Um, but, you know, I think they're going to – do you see um, ways that, you know, Kansas City maybe runs some more misdirections, maybe some – you know, out wide with some of these, um, you know, Nicole Hardman and Tyreek Hill uh, kind of flip passes. I think you might see some, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey kind of uh, misdirection screens to, to, you know, to work around some of that pressure. I mean, I think they'll use a little bit of that uh, to their advantage. I mean, Andy Reid is so good with screens. Like, he's just like a master of that. So I can see some of that happening. I don't think it's a real major issue. You know, maybe one of those guys like JPP or Barrett will get in on occasion. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's, um, going to completely disrupt this game. So um, it doesn't it doesn't seem to be a factor for me. I mean, personally, if I had to pick between, you know, taking a bunch of Kelsey props or Tyreek props, I would probably take Kelsey just because of that. Um, and just because I think one of those things where, okay, the first game Tyreek was such a major problem that they're going to almost overcompensate for trying to stop him. Um, and that's going to leave someone like Kelsey a little bit more open. We've seen that more in the playoffs, but I can see kind of Kelsey taking advantage a little bit more uh, maybe than Tyreek. So um, I think between the two guys, if I had to take some props, I, I do like the, you can get over eight and a half receptions on Kelsey at um, plus money. And it's, it's 
so weird. Like, if you look at his game log, like, he literally catches exactly eight balls, like, every single game, at least heading up into the playoffs. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a complete – such a complete anomaly, right? Like, that's just random. But, um, you know, to me, like, if you can get over that that eight number uh, – like you say, okay, he's had eight in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his last ten games. He's had exactly eight receptions. And then the other two, the other three games, he had seven, 10 and 13. So you're going to always be in, in line with um, reaching that profit. I just think in this game, um, he's going to benefit the most between some of the additional coverages. And I will say, if you want an off, you know, we could talk about MVP and just kind of off the radar. The only guy on the Kansas city offense that at least has a shot to you know, get consideration um, for an MVP who's not totally tied to Patrick Mahomes is Nicole Hardman. And you can get him at 100 to 1 on Fandle if you're in the mood to go really crazy off the wall. Only because he's their punt returner, he's a pick returner. Tampa's bottom the seven. Desmond Howard angle. Yeah, well, he's uh, Tampa's bottom seven in DVOA um, uh, kickoff and punt defense. They're number, they've allowed the, the highest um, return yardage on average to kickoff returners at over 32 yards per, per kickoff. Um, we've seen Hardman get a carry uh, in each of the last five games and he's broken, you know, broke off a 50 yarder um, against, uh, against Buffalo. He's done, he broke off a 20 yarder against the Browns. He can easily break a long one. He's getting four or five targets per game. Now who knows what happens with the Watkins situation. Maybe he gets less, but you know, if he gets a couple receptions uh, and, and what in that first game, he, they just missed. How long was that rich? Like a it, was a yarder. Yarder. Yeah, it was a 90 yarder. Yeah. It was 89. Yeah. yeah. It was almost a 90 yarder. Like you don't think they're going to go back to that play at least once in this game. I just think that if there's kind of off the radar a guy who can, you know, he get, was he was going to run in backwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, so that's it's probably I mean it's minuscule odds, but if you're gonna if you're in the in the mindset of hey, let me find someone who's kind of off the radar who, um, I mean, I, there's no way that Kelsey and Tyreek Hill can win the MVP no matter what they do because it's all tied to Mahomes, um, in my opinion. So it's got to be someone off the radar. So just. That's uh, as an aside, but like what you guys all said, I mean, I think there's not much that it feels like a weekly conversation we've had here, how, how to defend Mahomes in this offense. And there's just no right answer. So it doesn't matter what Tampa does. Like they're not going to stop them. So um, you know, I do like all the, all the ancillary chiefs, uh, the overs. I mean, so the Kelsey and Tyreek Hill receptions and yardage are really juiced up uh for this game but Watkins Hardman and even Clyde Edwards-Alaire like their career or their their season production their hit rates on their on their totals are all like really strong values uh there's a there's a big discrepancy and like TA said if you're betting this Mahomes over which I like as well for the same reasons he laid out just of of how to attack the Buccaneers and you're going to get 50 dropbacks. I mean, these, these ancillary totals are all hittable three and a half catches, two and a half catches, two and a half catches, 37 yards, you know, 28 yards. These are all in play. I think Uh, while everyone's looking at the fun props, which are Kelsey and Tyree kill, especially the game that Tyree kill had and the seasons Kelsey's had, but seven and a half catches, eight and a half catches over 90 yards. Like those are tough overs to bet typically, uh, even if you can hit, whereas, you know, you've got all these like low hanging fruit on Watkins, Hardman and Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Uh, I like a lot of their overs, uh, especially if you tie into TA yeah. uh, bet if, of him throwing 40, you know, 45 times. Yeah. If you just look at kind of target share with, uh, you know, I've looked at target share with just the Sammy Watkins games. 
first of all, it's amazing. Kelsey is exactly 26% with or without Watkins. Like there's no difference. Uh, Tyreek actually goes from 28 to 21% with, with Watkins in the lineup. Hardman actually has gone up a couple percentage points um, from nine to 11. Um, and who knows what happens, you know, Demarcus Robinson probably, I mean, he's probably the, the guy, the odd man out here. Um, but Watkins has caught, he's, he's gotten 14% of the target share. And if you think that, you know, even at the Mahomes 40 and a half attempt prop, uh, where it's set now, I mean, he's scheduled to, I mean, I'm looking at four, four for 43, essentially, um, is where his prop would be based on his yards per target, his target share. And, um, you know, based on the number of attempts that, that you expect Mahomes to, to throw here. And I think his prop, I don't, I don't have it listed in front of me, but I think it's in the thirties, right? I mean, it's 36 actually- and a half, which he's hit 60% of the time this season, 62% time for his career. So you're uh, betting so- on whether he's actually healthy enough, right? Like, is he going to get all mm-hmm. the snaps? Like how, how's that going to work? So, and they're, again, they're not going to run the ball. Like there's no scenario on earth where Kansas city is going to run the ball um, significantly here, at least in the first three quarters. So, uh, yeah, if, if Mahomes gets to 45, 46 attempts, all of those props are in play. Uh, and I do like the Hardman one. I mean, I mean, what Hardman's props seem low. I know it's two, I think you can get over two and a half receptions at, at juice money. I, mean, I would probably take the yardage just because you can get there with one catch and you're not dependent on volume. But yeah, I agree with you. I think some of the ancillary guys do have value. I mean, I'm not sure DeMarcus Robinson has value, but I think Hardman, um, <laughs> yeah. Hardman definitely does and, and maybe Watkins. So uh, those are some interesting ones, I think, for me. How do you guys see the Daryl Williams, um, CEH, and maybe Le'Veon Bell splits um, going? Because if you look at the, the last game against Buffalo, I mean, CEH started, but then Daryl Williams essentially took the, the reins um, and played most of what the second half. Um, I mean, do you think it's going to be a, a, just an even split? Do you think that just because CEH was, was, you know, coming off that injury last time, that's why they didn't play him as much, and he's just going to take the, the, the larger role? Um, how do you, I mean, what do you see, Rich, from kind of that split perspective? What's interesting about that dynamic is you remember early in the season, Darrell Williams was basically like Kansas City Malcolm Brown, where he would come in and play all the passing downs and Edward Slayer would come out. Remember, everyone was tilting yeah. the first game of the season because right. he came in like every third down and Edward Slayer's this pass catching pedigree, you know, coming out of LSU. And it was the whole reason why we thought it was a great fit. But last week, or not last week, but the, in the AFC Championship game, Clyde Edward Slayer did play more passing snaps then. Darrell Williams, 19 to 12, but it wasn't such a split to where it was, you know, it's still 19 to 12 is not a huge margin. I do think that, I mean, listen, the Chiefs have shown it. They showed it last year at LaShawn McCoy. Like, are we, do we even think Le'Veon Bell plays? They did it last year. Like, they, 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 like he hasn't been a part of anything they've done. Um, I don't really, I don't, I'm not really counting on Le'Veon Bell to really even not, maybe not even play a snap. Who knows? Maybe he will. I mean, I assume he'll be active, but maybe he's not. We've seen the Chiefs do this last, at the end of last year. I think they feel comfortable that in this game. They're like you said, they're not going to throw the ball. They, I think, and you've got two backs that are are healthy. Uh, I think we could potentially maybe not even see him be active or really even be a part because he doesn't play special teams. So, I mean, I think it's hard to factor him in at all. It's really just that split. Um, they both did get goal line carries too, which didn't really give us an inkling, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you would think that they would really finally dust if, – if, if they're ever going to dust off the ceiling that we thought Edward Solaire could have as a pass catcher, 
maybe they've got something in the bag here at the end of the line because they haven't shown it. And Dan knows from his, you know, collegiate, like this, this guy could, you could, we were waiting for it to be unlocked all year and it hasn't kind of in Miami, the Miami game, they used him in the passing game a little bit. Uh, and that was really kind of it. But uh, the Bucks did allow the most receptions to running backs this season during the regular season. The Chiefs backs only caught three the first meeting, but maybe they've got something in the bag for them this game. Like you said, T.A., the screen game could be more of a factor, uh, you know, this, this go around uh, with the offensive line the way it is. Uh, I would say definitely Alaire is an interesting player in this game just because we never have seen the ceiling from him outside of a few fleeting moments. And if the Chiefs were ever going to pull a rabbit out of a hat with a guy that they haven't really utilized, he could be one of the guys that it could be interesting for them to do something creative with. Yeah. I mean, they ran the ball 16 times with running backs in that first matchup. And like I said, I mean, the first three quarters, it was 78% passing. <laughs> and they were up a ton. They weren't, and they just kept throwing. And so, like, the only time, like, if you if you take one of these uh, running back over rushing yardage props because you think that's, you know, kind of good value, it's so low, like, you're going to have to wait till the fourth quarter probably <laughs> to even have a <laughs> shot. You might have to wait till, like, okay, they're up 10 points in the, in the middle or late in the fourth quarter, and they run it three, four times in a row to get there. But um, so you're definitely going to be sweating that out. I don't see any other way that you're really going to hit it early um, against this defense and, again, you know, with the game plan. But even so, his – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's reception prop is two and a half, and he's hit that in 57% of his games this year. So, like, you've got something there to latch on to uh, if you want to go that route. Yeah, so the, the screen game is going to be really interesting here, and I wrote about that uh, this week. Um, is there anything you didn't write about, Dan? With the- <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm running out of things to write about. I still need, like, two more at least, probably. Um, so, yeah, and I've been writing about the Chiefs all year. I'm like, um, I, have, I have nothing left on the Chiefs. I have nothing left interesting to say uh, that, it, that I haven't uh, said already, especially on this podcast. I feel like every, every idea we've had about the Chiefs has, has been said um, over the past, like, 20 weeks <laughs> on this show. Um, but when you look at what the screens are, and we think of Andy Reid as, like, this screen genius, uh, that really hasn't been the case on running back screens this year. They were quite bad. Uh, they still had a, a 27-23 split between our running back and wide receiver screens. But on, uh, on running back screens, they averaged uh, 0.1 EPA per play and only a 40.7% uh, positive play rate, which is just uh, the amount of plays that produce positive EPA. Um, so they were not good. Uh, that was 19th uh, in the league on uh, running back screen value. Uh, but the thing is, uh, Tampa Bay was one of the least... Um, uh, Tampa Bay was terrible at running back screens. Um, they were one of the best uh, defenses against running back screens. Uh, They allowed the fourth lowest positive play rate at at 29%. So when you combine how bad the Chiefs were at actually running running back screens, how good um, the Buccaneers were at um, at defending them, especially with their linebackers, they do have speed there. They have a great defensive line that can kind of, um, you know, get blockers out of the way. I think when you talk about, you know, the interior of that defensive line too, you got guys like Sue and Vita Villa who can just, you know, throw that interior line out of the way and can pursue screens uh, quite well. So uh, I'm curious whether the Chiefs are going to run that often. And, but both of these teams were, you know, the two best teams in with wide receiver screens. So we might see that as we kind of talked about um, earlier uh, in the show about how to slow down uh, the pass rush, especially for the Kansas city offense against Tampa. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple more uh, wide receiver screens here. Um, 
So uh, I think that's going to be an interesting way to go because um, there's just, I don't see these running backs being involved really all that much, like at at all. Um, When you think of how these teams go, especially how deep both of these teams are uh, at wide receiver, Uh, it's, it's going to be really just interesting. And when we look, I think, uh, going into one of the props that I like as someone who you know doesn't know what I'm doing, I, I don't bet smartly um, at all. I think has has been established uh, on this show. Um, but uh, one of the things uh, is the first um, first reception. Um, yeah, I think you, you can kind of break it down uh, per team on, on DraftKings uh, sportsbook. Uh, the first uh, Kansas City reception. What I like here is is Tyreek Hill. Um, in, in nine of uh, in nine of Kansas City's games this year, he has been the first reception. Uh, they they get him the ball uh, early, and I would kind of what a concept. Ex- yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> when a team like that has the ability to you know figure out who their good playmaker is and get him the ball early, um, you know that works. But I. I I just kind of looked it up of what Tampa Bay does and, and they're all over the place. And that's kind of what you would uh, expect from uh, a Tampa offense that has kind of been hit or miss, you know, throughout the season. Um, actually, you know, Ronald Jones uh, led the team with the, the first reception in four games. Um, then there was also a tied with Mike Evans. So they're all over the place. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if you want to have that prop where, um, you know, you're kind of betting on who gets the ball first. So I think if you can go with just first team reception and Tyreek Hill is at plus 225. That's, I think that's, you know, good value for me. You know, Travis Kelsey is the favorite at plus 200. He only had the first reception three times. But uh, when you look at that, that's been in week 15 uh, against Cleveland in the divisional round and against Buffalo uh, in the conference championship. So he has, uh, you know, the three most recent ones that have really mattered. Uh, But usually it's Tyreek Hill and they are, they're, getting him the ball early and I would kind of expect that even as Tampa Bay is probably you know trying to overly uh commit to Tyreek Hill in this game especially after what happened the last game I wouldn't be surprised to see him get the ball first and get it early so that's that's I think one of my uh favorite props for for this game well interesting is it I mean we haven't talked it's funny we haven't talked about Tampa really on offense (laughs) it's been all Kansas City who averages more points than the Chiefs per game I know so (laughs) Well, let's hit, I mean, I, a couple things I want to get your guys' opinion. And, um, you know, I mean, I think Brady's going to just throw a ton again just because of game script. And are we going to see the same first down run, second down run to Fournette and then bail out on third down like we did, uh, we saw against Green Bay? I mean, look, I was on Tampa, but that first drive was brutal. Just like, I can't believe that they're converting all these third and longs. You're not going to be able to do that against this Kansas City defense. But, um, you know, I think, you know, game script, I think Fournette, is going to catch some passes just because again, he's the only one between him and Jones that really is catching passes anymore. And he's really their uh, passing down threat. And um, if they're going to be trailing, he's going to catch all those balls. And even if it's kind of neutral game state, he's going to catch some balls. So I think that's one interesting one to take a look at. I mean, I think Jones has some upside is kind of the, you know, he could break the longer runs and, and kind of lead the the game in, in rushing um, as long as they're not trailing too much, but you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, that one's a little bit scary. I will say the one interesting one to me. So two things I'm on Cameron Brait first touchdown, uh, Kansas city's dead last defending tight ends in the red zone. Uh, we saw last week da- Dawson Knox scored the first touchdown of the game. Um, Brait's been heavily involved um, lately, especially, I think he's third on the team in uh, red zone targets in the last five, six games. So 
you know, I think that's a good, you can get good value at over 20 to one. I got it at 24 to one. I think it's still around 22 in a lot of spots. So that's one. And then the Mike Evans is interesting. Okay. So Mike Evans, if you look at his game log and anyone who's played fantasy and anyone's paid attention knows that he's been such a boomer bust guy this entire year. Like he literally has games where he's caught, you know, one pass for two yards multiple times. Um, and, and in fact, in that the, the Saints game, in the playoff game, he has one catch for three yards on a t- in a touchdown. Um, so he's done it multiple times. He's also had one, two, three, four, five games of 104 or more yards. So he literally, so his receiving prop is 63 and a half yards. And at first I was looking, you know, that's interesting. If you look at just kind of the average, if you just did an average, he should easily go over, right? Like his numbers um, definitely tend to go over, but I don't think you're getting any value there because he could easily get totally shut down by the chiefs who are what number one in the NFL defending outside receivers. Um, He only had 50 yards in that first matchup. He's had one game somehow. I have no idea how one game um, of over 64 yards and less than 104 that 40 plus yard gap. um, He's had one game fit that he's either gone well below or well above. So if you one interesting prop to take a look at, it's a little bit of a longer shot. You could get Evans at um, over a hundred yards alternative line, at least on FanDuel at plus three seventy. So to me, it's like if you're thinking about taking an Evans over prop, I would hit that instead, just because you get such better odds. Because if he's going to have a big game, if he's going to reach that 63, 64 yard mark, he's probably going to be well over um, that number. And if he's going to miss, he's going to miss. So it, it, co- it costs you less, and you get much bigger upside. So that's one that I would look at if, if you're looking at Mike Evans from a kind of an over perspective. But I think they're going to spread the ball a lot here, um, you know, if, especially if Antonio Brown plays. So none of the receiver props outside of that I really love. Uh, I would look at a lot of those unders. Um, and I think he's just going to throw it a ton to a lot of different receivers. So nothing really stands out for me there. But I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on, a, the Fournette-Ronald Jones breakdown, and B, um, if there's anything in the receiving prop um, market that you like one way or the other for, for Tampa. I mean, the tight ends were a big part of the game plan when these teams first played. I mean, they Gronk had seven targets, Braid had six, and some of that was, you know, game script. I'm curious to see what we get from the Bucks side if it's just more neutral, to, where they're not down 17 points in the first quarter. Because the final three quarters of the game, that, that game, they went 32 passes to nine runs. Uh, we know the adage. We know teams are going to fall in this trap against the Chiefs, man. We do know this, right? Like, they're going to come out and try to run early. Uh, the teams can't help themselves when they play the Chiefs. Like, they want to try to limit possessions. We've seen it. Uh, even though they, I, I'm adamant that that's not the way to play them. But – teams get, can't help themselves they're going to try to slow the game down I think we'll see that probably be the approach early and we'll see if they get into a hole and have to get themselves out of it uh I think we'll see a little more Ronald Jones than we did I mean there was some concern I think going into Green Bay about the cold in his quad uh about him you know getting more of an extended workload they've shown when both guys are healthy they've kind of wanted to go to Ronald Jordan Ronald Jones in the run game Fournette's just been a better player you know he's been a hot hand in a sense uh and played well outside of that run he had against the Packers a touchdown run when which poor Kevin King also got the business on that if he needed another bad play on his tape in that game uh he really didn't do much outside of that 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 run uh so I do think we'll see more Ronald Jones Ronald Jones was kind of the igniter for them in this game the first time they played too he had the the 37 yard touchdown uh catch and run he had a long a run in that game as well that set up, uh, you know, one of those interceptions TA said that he threw inside the 30. 
so I do think we'll see a little more of him than we did in the Packers game. I do think that if they fall behind, though, it's obviously Fournette. Ronald Jones hasn't had more than a, one catch in a game since week nine. Uh, Fournette's running a pass route on 40% of the team dropbacks compared to 26% for Ronald Jones. So if you are a believer in the game script favoring the Chiefs, then Fournette, his receiving props are definitely way more intriguing than Ronald Jones's. I don't even, you can't even really get unders on Ronald Jones anywhere anymore uh, outside of a few books to look into, but it's basically a half catch uh, and not much. It's it really Fournette's the only guy listed. Um, but the Chiefs have only, the Chiefs only allowed what, 500-yard receivers all season. And look at the archetype of receivers they were, though, really. I mean, is, is Henry Ruggs, Will Fuller, Mike Williams, Curtis Samuel, and Calvin Ridley, guys that get deep downfield targets almost exclusively, uh, are the only guys that hit them. Godwin had 97, so he was just on the cusp. And, you know, you guys wrote an article this week about targeting the slot receivers. I like Godwin in this game a lot. And he had five for 80 in the slot and had one of those 44-yard catches in that game. Uh, the first matchup, but it's it's these high A dot guys that have really gotten over for the big yardage on the Chiefs, uh, and that typically is Scotty Miller. But you know he's he's not number one in A dot, but we know with Antonio Brown probably playing, there's a little hedge there between the two guys. So I mean the Bucks guys, like you said, are just hard to figure out because they spread it around so much. I think Godwin's the safest, uh, but I love the tight ends like you called in there. I think the tight ends are going to be a big part of this game plan again for the Buccaneers and they are another set of guys that have you're not really grasping onto high totals to bet against you're looking at these low totals low catch totals uh which I prefer to bet anyways if you're betting over so uh I do think the tight ends will be a big part of the game plan yeah I think uh I'll agree there I think we'll probably see a lot of tight ends and running backs although to go to the uh, Scotty Miller as I'm looking at it uh on uh, DraftKings here uh over one and a half receptions at plus 130 um that's that's enticing to me I I think they probably need to use him a little more even if Antonio Brown does play um he might not be a hundred percent I think they'll probably need some of that that speed uh where they can move it around and Scotty Miller is just that guy he's come up with some big catches um you know for this team so uh, I kind of like that over one and a half uh there I think if, if that's one thing uh, I'm looking for for the the Tampa offense. It's probably to get him involved. I probably would take a uh, Tyler Johnson over too because he just kind of you know is able to get in some of those big moments uh, when they need him. Even in the games Antonio Brown has played, but I, there are are no Tyler Johnson props at least uh, from uh, what I'm looking at here. But uh, the Scotty Miller over one and a half receptions, I could absolutely uh, see that happen, especially when you get a, a plus one thirty um, on that. Uh, I wanted you to talk about one other. Uh, um, you know, prop real quick that uh, Rich, you wrote about. It's one of my favorite props. I think it's going to make just watching the game so fun. It is uh, Tom Brady's rushing yards. <laughs> like it's it's plus it's a half, right? You just need, need one, one rushing need yard one for yard. this to hit. So you're banking on uh, you know a quarterback sneak, which Brady is like the best ever at doing. Uh, you're hoping for no kneel downs. Uh, it's just one of those That's, where like it's going to put you on edge all game. You man. know there's not going to be a scramble. Um, hit it though. The kneel down is the single biggest factor. We saw it last year in the the home situation. That is the only reason why they would go under. 
So right, if- exactly. So you're you're hoping for for a sneak with no kneel downs, and if you think Kansas City is going to win, you know the kneel down probably isn't going to happen. Um, well, there is a first half kneel down, <laughs> right? Which which is the possible, or you know yeah. you could be have the the halftime draw, which is something um, that teams should not do, but they do uh, very often, just you know running into the line for absolutely no reason when a kneel down could do it. Um, I think there there's nothing uh, potentially more thrilling or tilting uh, than Tom Brady at half a rushing yard um, in this game. And I, I just think that is uh, just one of the most fun bets. That's just so dumb um, to be rooting for all game. And you're just going to kind of have to be on edge the entire time. Dan, you, you, you hit it because <laughs> as someone who's been betting Super Bowl props for like 20 years, the ones where it's like a, you just need a one reception or one yard or just like one thing to happen for like, especially when it's like a, a backup, you know, third string running back or a full back or something that's like just off the wall. There is nothing more thrilling when you see that guy in the game and you're just rooting for him to get the ball. Um, you know, that, that is absolutely right. And in this case, it's literally because Tom Brady's not going to scramble ever. And he's, you know, so it's literally, is he going to get more than one quarterback sneak? And is he going to get, um, you know, is he going to do a nail down? It's like those two scenarios. So it's like, what happens? You're just, if you could get out of this first half without him kneeling down, I think, I think you just lock it up in my opinion. Like, I don't think there's, I don't think you're losing that bet. So you're really just rooting for, um, you know, either Kansas city has the ball last or Tampa is actually trying to drive at the end of the first half, but those are definitely the most fun ones for sure. Um, we were on it last year. We were on use check last year. I remember two years ago being all over Cordell Patterson's like he was, it was like a half catch and being all over <laughs> against the Rams and being like so excited. He caught like a screen the first drive and I was just like, ah, like, <laughs> you know, just those are the fun ones, though. You you hit him like the Scotty Millers. These where you're just hoping for a play. Uh, like a, a lot of the, I think there's a lot of value. I'm going to write it up today. And a lot of the, the reception, the longest reception props look like there's the most value, especially if you like Tyree kill and Kelsey overs. Uh, yeah, there's was, a lot more I was value. Actually, I literally just pulled that up. Uh, there's a lot more value there. Yeah. Uh, then because their yardage and receptions are way juiced. Like they're, I mean, like, like I touched on them, but their yard or longest catches. So Tyreek's longest catch is 27 and a half yards. He's done that in 60% of the games this season. Uh, Travis Kelsey's 25 and a half. He's done that in 40%. McCole Hartman's is 14 and a half yards. He's done that in two thirds of the games this season. Uh, so a lot of value there as well. And you're getting plus odds at that. He's plus 107. Uh, there as the well. Kelsey, so. The Kelsey I'm looking at at DraftKings is plus 105 for over 25 and a half for a longest reception. So, I mean, yeah. if yeah, if you do want to try this Kelsey over, that's... The theory, though, is if you're going to if you're gonna get over those numbers, you're, I mean, you're probably going to get over the total is what is the theory. Like, that's why there is a little bit of a, a mismatch because if you get it, I mean, if you get it, uh, you got to find a receiver, um, you know, like a Hardman, if it's a receiver or even a Scotty Miller that um, might only have one catch, then maybe it's worth taking that over because if his one catch is kind of, you know, it's going to always be a long one. Um, then you don't have to worry about a second catch, right? If you have over one and a half. So in that situation, I think that's where it's, there's value, but um, no, I, I can see like if, if again, it's, it's all volume dependent. I mean, if you get over one of these big long catches, you're probably going to get over the, the yardage total, maybe not the reception total. So it's a, I think there's a little bit of a negative correlation between the reception number and the yardage, you know, the longest yard um, or longest reception uh, more than it's, 
receiving yards and the longest reception. So, um, no, I, I think there's definitely value there for sure. Godwin is, I think, a dark horse too for longest reception of the game. He is a 40-yard catcher higher in four of his past five, uh, four, four of his past eight games. 27-yard reception or higher in uh, four of his past five. He has a little. He's been getting some deep targets. We saw Brady take just a 50-50 ball to him against the Packers and said, "Go for it." And uh, Godwin won that after he dropped an easier one. Um, so yeah, he's an interesting guy too. I think for longest reception because no one's going to bet him because one, he's not Tyree Kill, uh, whoever would wants to bet. And then he's a you know basically people consider Godwin just like a tertiary slot guy, uh, but he's interesting as well too for that prop. And the other thing I should we should have mentioned from the beginning. Now it's hard because just the way we've been talking and how we think the game's going to flow. Like typically, your unders are the most value in any of these prop markets in the Super Bowl because they're all like I said, they're all juiced up for the over. And so, in theory, the the unders have the most value. It's just so hard in a game like this where it's the highest total or the second highest total we've ever seen, and we all think that this game's going to go over. Like it's hard to find under under value unless you're looking at some of the KC running backs. Um, but there are going to be guys that we all think is going to go over and it's easy that it's not going to get there. It's just figuring out, you know, is it worth kind of fighting that battle or just picking your spots with the guys that you like, you like the most to, to go over that, you know, the game's going to flow. It's really hard to ever look at a Tyree kill and say, okay, I'm going to take that on. Like, if you do that, you're just, you're just trying to be contrarian. Like there's, it's not fun and it's just going to be holding your breath kind of in every throw. Um, but one of these guys is going to go over or is going to go under at least that we don't even think about. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of find, finding the right guys here. Um, and maybe it's under Mike Evans. Maybe it's, you know, under the running backs for, for Kansas city. Maybe it's kind of the easy ones like that, but um, you know, just in rule, rule of thumb in general is, is under is probably the better, <laughs> the better uh, picks, in, you know, in a, in a Super Bowl. but you know, Again, if you think the over is kind of a, a play here and it's going to be in the 60s and it's hard to really look at any of these unders and like them. Yeah, and it's just no fun to bet unders. Like, who wants to be watching the game? Be like, no, I, I, hope this, I hope this play doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, props I mean, you typically have limits too, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the limits are, are definitely set. It's not like you're going to get rich off of betting all these unders anyways. So, I mean, we might as well have fun with player props. You get rich by a hidden Cameron Brait first touchdown. Yeah. I mean, there's also nothing egregious. Uh, you know, it's not like, remember like a couple years ago when the Packers or the Patriots played the Rams in the Super Bowl, like James White had like an eight and a half like reception prop. And it was like, for a running back and you're like what the hell is this uh this doesn't make any this doesn't make any sense at all and you could but there's like really nothing egregious like on that is on the table right now uh in that sense yeah Yeah, absolutely so i think we've hit pretty much all the props it sounds like you know we we're expecting uh, a lot of points, a lot of yards, um, which should hopefully make for uh an exciting super bowl uh hopefully it's not going to be you know rams patriots which you know, on the look back was a fun game for Super Bowl or for like football nerds uh, to watch, like rewatch. And on the all 22, there were some interesting things there. But, you know, it, at the time uh, was uh, not fun to watch really at all. Uh, I think we're, we're <laughs> led to the staff for trade. Probably it was like the beginning. Of the end. <laughs> that it was the beginning of the end for uh, we're for in the, a better era. I will say that, you know, when me and T.A. grew up, it, the Super Bowl never hit. Blowouts. <laughs> they were all blowouts. Uh, we've been on a good run of good games in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I think we're going to get that again. 
Yeah, Kat, it's, let's, let's hope so. If, uh, if what uh, we've said uh, in this show so far uh, bears out, it should be a very you know, fun game to watch. Even the, you know, the Week 12 game, it was only you know, 27-24, still a very fun game. Um, so e- even if it just ends up like that, uh, I think we're, we're going to see uh, you know, a lot of offense here. And I think that's kind of what we're, what we're going to see in Super Bowls for, for a while. Uh, these really good offensive teams. These are still two of the best offensive teams, two of the most uh, explosive teams uh, in the NFL this season. So um, yeah, I think we can end the show there. Um, you can uh, find Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. Uh, you can read all of his uh, fantasy stuff. He's been breaking down. We got a huge Super Bowl worksheet uh, that is up on the site. He's been writing up a lot of props. Also, you can find all of that on Sharp Football Analysis. You can find TA on Twitter at Cleave TA. He had a big um, uh, Super Bowl uh, betting article that went up. We talked about a bunch of that stuff, but you can still go uh, read that on the site right now. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. We'd like to thank you guys for listening and we We will talk to you again soon.